Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is episode number 24 of the live show on YouTube. I'm in Nebraska on this episode. Me and Dan kind of talk about uh, what I saw the first couple days being there scouting around before season started and kind of came up with a game plan for my uh, first set of the uh, season. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the show. I got to thank a couple of my sponsors real quick. Uh, first one being Stealth Outdoors. You guys know we love partnering with Lou over at Stealth Outdoors. Uh, great company, a great person with a great product. Um, so visit StealthOutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips, get you some buckle silencers, buy you a hat off Lou, and know you're purchasing something off of a, a good guy. Um, also, want to thank Hunting Beast Gear. Um, in my opinion, the makers of the best mobile gear on the market. Uh, Dan and, and Mario and the crew, you know, we all um, are mobile guys, public land, tried and true guys that uh, really uh, critique gear, and that's what these uh, these products from Beast Gear um, derive from. It's a whole bunch of serious guys critiquing gear. So um, go to huntingbeastgear.com, get you uh, some Beast Gear. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey everybody! Welcome to the show. Hey everybody! It's a little, it's a little earlier than we uh, usually do them because I'm out and about scouting in Nebraska right now. Uh, I'm in a uh, undisclosed location in a McDonald's in somewhere in Nebraska. So undisclosed, find- probably only one McDonald's in the whole state <laughs> of Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I had to drive uh, about an hour and six minutes to get to this one. So. Uh, they're, they're a little, little, uh, fewer and far between than a lot of places. Um, has good internet though. I can, I think I'm good and clear. I'm not, uh, I'm not glitchy or anything. See, if I was uh, a stalker, I just draw a circle at an hour and six minutes all the way around the McDonald's <laughs> in Nebraska. And I know you're within that line. <laughs> I guess that's one way of figuring <laughs> it out. Start doing circles. Oh, that's funny. Uh, how you been, Dan? I haven't really talked to you much since we, uh, um since i left for nebraska no it's been hectic just been crazy yeah. trying to get everything ready for hunting yeah you were you were telling me uh earlier you're wanting your get your barn done so you can get a little more organized and a little better system yeah i don't know dan i got a nice barn at my house and i i still have trouble getting organized and staying organized but uh yeah. it's helpful i I had a goal before season started was to get my all my stuff back to where it's supposed to be and then and um back in its place and I didn't really get it done before I left for Nebraska so oh well uh but anyway we got quite a few here. you're gonna be hunting tomorrow and I'm gonna be hunting in a few days yep yeah yeah, yeah. i'm I'm like itching to go I've been scouting the last day and a half essentially I didn't get down here until later on uh Wednesday but I you know, today I spent all day out, out and about scouting. And I found some good stuff, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Um, but uh, we, we got quite a few people on still. Not not like we usually do, just because it is a couple hours earlier than we usually ha- uh, are on here. But uh, if you... Yeah, it's just if weird with uh, hunting season and stuff. Yeah. And got times to get on. You know, I'll be bear hunting next week. You'll be uh, deer hunting. And yep. we'll have to uh, figure something out. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the best we can. That's probably like... Until things settle down again, you might as well probably get used to this kind of deal where it will be just random times and may not be able to catch all of them live, but 
Um, you know, they'll still right be up here. Come on live while I'm field dressing a bear or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Conserve some time, right? <laughs> uh, things at yeah. Once. Um, yeah, hopefully I'm not, hopefully I'm not deer hunting next week. Hopefully I've got one and I'm back home, but, uh, we will, we'll see. So we will typically, if, if you guys are new on here, just leave your questions in the comments and we'll get to them sometime during the show. Um, and then I will share a link on the, uh, comments to come into the, the episode. Um, if you want to, if you want to come in here live and talk to us, we, um, I've had a few people message me lately about how do I call in and then this is how you do it. The only way to do it is to, is to follow the link I put in the comments. So anyway, make sure you guys uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet uh, while you're jumping on here. And we're really growing here lately, so it's been been cool and I appreciate it, uh, everyone. But uh, yeah, got to fly in here now. I usually have one at my, uh, at my desk, but now there's one here at McDonald's. Um, so Nebraska, I figure what we would do is I just like tell you about what's going on and, uh, just run some of my thoughts and ideas off of you and see, see what you thought about them. So I got down here, uh, yesterday evening and I, I kind of just went to the WMA that's closest to my house per se, like the one I get to the quickest. And I drove around the block and I saw like two or three does. Um, and that's really it. But the, the crop fields that were around that area, they were like cut corn fields that were, they took off the field for silage already. Mm. Uh, and then there was one like a uh, pretty large alfalfa field that I thought, well, that, that'd be probably pretty decent right now. Um, but there wasn't any deer out in it that evening at all, other than there was a couple so of does right up by the what road. What kind of terrain are you looking at? This is, is like, like flat river bottoms. Um, so it's uh, mostly wide open farms with um, river bottoms having the timber. There, the the timber is down by the river, and then up uh, up in the fields, like around the fields, it's like low CRP ground kind of, um, mm. with just a little bit of trees mixed in here and there, but not much. Um, there is a little bit of swap and stuff in those CRP fields. There's some like low areas um, that that are that hold water, um, but are you on public or private? Public. Um, but anyways, I, I that's kind of all I did the first evening I was here. I just drove around. I didn't have time to get out and do anything. Um, and then this morning, I went to uh, kind of my spot that I had in mind where I thought I would uh, start at for the week. And... Um, there are some really nice beans and, and alfalfa there too, but the problem is it's uh, not, uh, it's everything on that, on that piece is like set up for a North wind. Um, just the way it's, it's laid out, like all the, uh, the, the river and stuff is on the North side of the property. And then all the crops and stuff are on the South side. Um, and we're having, we're having a South wind the next two and a half days. So, every every spot that i think like okay they're bedding here probably coming out to this area to feed at night it's it's all need we need some type of a either like a west wind or a south or a north wind and i'm not going to have either one of those the next couple of days um but anyway this so morning i went over the crops no i they could be coming to oaks too um 
but I just didn't, I didn't hop into that area yet. I was going to go check. I knew where there were some oaks on the, the first WMA I was at where I just drove around. Um, so I buzzed over to that one. I'm like, I'm going to go walk to that, that oak flat I know of and just look and see if the oaks are falling in there, if there is oaks in there, uh, before I go stomp, stomping around and get my wind everywhere in this second WMA I was at. Um, so I drove back to the first WMA. I walked down uh, into this area uh, to check the oaks, and there was some there. It's not like it was last year. Last year it was like walking on you know gravel in there, uh, but there was there was oaks dropping there, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of deer sign and stuff. But there's also a ton of small game hunter sign, like squirrel hunters. There's 20 gauge shells every laying everywhere in the WMA, um, and there was actually a guy parked there midday. He pulled in and started squirrel hunting. Oh, they're already open for squirrels? Um, I think so, yeah. There was a, a guy. I mean, there's 22 shells and, and 20 gauge shells laying everywhere, or, you know, casings laying everywhere. Um, and there's like, you know, they, they cut paths through the WMA, and you could see where they've been walking and just shooting squirrels out of trees and stuff in those oaks. So uh, I, don't, I didn't know how I felt about that, really. Uh, there's deer sign and stuff, but... Um, you know, there's also a sign of people walking around in there. Anyway, this is all relevant because I found something else today <laughs> that that it's a uh, that I'm I'm going to start on. But um, so that was that was this morning. I did all that this morning, and I did find it. Um, it's super dry here. Like I don't. I, they have to be close to a drought right now. Um, Are the beans green or yellow? They're starting to yellow pretty bad, and unless they're being irrigated, then they're green. Um which whenever I'll, I'll tell you about this next spot here in a second, but um, that the spot I just, I, I told you all the small game ones is there is a nice little pond in there that they seem to like too. There's a lot of tracks and stuff around that pond um, and the rivers there too, but they probably have plenty of water. But um, anyway, I ate lunch and I buzzed up to this other WMA that was about an hour away, hour and 15 minutes away. Uh, and I mostly went up there because I, the way it sets up, everything looks good for a south wind. I'm like, oh, you could hunt this place on a south wind, a lot of places on a south wind. So I buzzed up there. I got to walking around. And what it is, it's just a, it's a big, big piece of public. And then there's a gigantic bean field that they're irrigating on the, um, on the east side of this uh, piece. And I'm talking a mile long bean field. It's big. So I was, what I, what I planned on doing is walking up the edge of that bean field and just kind of looking to see if there's a good place I could glass that bean field to see where the deer were coming out of the public into the beans at night. Um, and I kind of find, I found a decent spot, you know, I thought, well, I could see a little bit here and there. And, um, but there's all these draws in the public that goes, you know, there's, it's all open area and there's draws that go, that are like timbered that go out to these beans. And I'm like, gosh, dang, I, I was, I wish I had another guy here because I could, we could, you know, tag team the draws and watch them and stuff and, and find where the bucks are coming out. Anyway, so I, I kind of picked out a spot to go after we're done with this tonight. And uh, as I'm walking back to the, the vehicle, I kind of look over to my left, kind of in a little pocket area by the road. And um, there's one of those draws again that goes into the, it doesn't go all the way to the bean field though. It just goes into the public. And when uh, I say draw, just a low area uh, amongst all the flat area, I guess. But uh, I noticed, I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of oaks in that draw. And I, I, and the wind was perfect for walking in that 
that uh, walking up to that draw, I wasn't going to like blow everything out of it with my, my scent, you know. So I walked down into that draw, and this was literally like an hour ago. Um, and I uh, I walked down there, and I was, I was glassing the tops of the, you know, the oak trees to see if there's acorns on them, and there was. And you can see the deer been mingling around in there, eating them. And all of a sudden, I hear something, and I look up, probably 60 yards, 70 yards from me, and there's a buck standing there. And he had, he had heard me. He didn't smell me at all. And he heard me, and he jumped up. And he was just standing there, and there was another one behind him, and both of them are nice deer. Um, and they just kind of were looking around in my direction. But I kind of, when I heard him, I kind of, like, knelt down, you know. And he uh, he just kind of turned around and fed off. And, I mean, as, you know, as slow as deer walk, he, that's what he did. He just kind of mingled his way back into the, down in the draw a little farther. So I quick kind of picked out a tree, you know, within shooting distance of where, um, or, you know, where I thought they would come out to these oaks. Cause the oaks is like a half the draw is cedars and pines. And the other half is oaks and they're bedding right there on that transition, um, where the cedars and the oaks are. But anyway, so I, uh, you know, that's the, really the first sign of a mature deer I'd seen, um, on the trip the, you know, this morning, I didn't really see anything that, uh, um, really gave me any confidence in being like, okay, there's a nice deer here. You know, there was deer there, but you know, I wasn't seeing anything crazy. They, those deer are hard horn too. the two bucks I saw, um, which, you know, maybe they're, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any rubs yet, but anyway, so that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, uh, right now I'm, my heart's set on this draw that had these two nice bucks in it. Uh, How are you going to put them bedding right in there? Uh, so if you can imagine this draw comes, uh, it's real wide at the, at the mouth of it and it comes in and kind of makes a little, a little U and what they were bedding at, I can get pretty close to them without them knowing I'm there. Um, cause they're, they're bedding like right where that U starts. And so I can kind of come back off that, that point or come, come out of that draw about 70 yards and I can get up in a tree pretty easily without them knowing I'm there. I mean, I, I did the whole deal where I saw, you could see where they were laying at from where I was standing, you know, at the, or at least the general area. Um, and I backed out of there and I kind of found a tree that was out of sight of that, uh, um, of where they were at. But still, I mean, I'm within, it's probably not even 70 yards. It's probably 60 yards uh, from when they were laying. Uh, and I can also get down in that draw on the point and kind of sneak into on the low area to where they won't be able to silhouette me up top um you said they're nice deer what is a nice deer there was the one i got a good look at was like a probably 120 inch nine pointer um and then the other one make the way his i couldn't see see him as well but the way he looked he looked bigger i mean i don't i don't know that for sure but it wasn't a small deer it's just his body and stuff looked bigger he was in the back farther uh but i've been happy with a 120 inch nine pointer on an out of state trip, you know, mm -hmm. um, he was like just outside his ears and he didn't have real good tines is what he was lacking. He didn't, he wasn't real, real tall. Um, but I've been happy I concentrate with on the mean and ugly ones. I don't like shooting nice ones. It's like <laughs> nice deer don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pick on the mean ones. 
You think I bo- uh, boogered them too bad? By you said they didn't like run, they walked away, and they were eating when they no. were walking? They essentially just stood up. I mean, I just saw them. I heard something, and I looked, and the one was just standing there, like, looking in my direction, doing one of these, like, kind of like, not really. He never, you know, you can tell when a deer's like, like, I see you. He never was like that. He was like, he just was kind of looking my direction, kind of like, what the heck? Um, of course, it, you know, it's, there's a lot of vegetation in there and stuff. And I, as soon as I heard him, I kind of knelt down like this and I was just in a good spot to where they couldn't, couldn't see me very good. Um, now the, the, the bigger, the, what I thought was the bigger one, I couldn't, I can't really tell you for sure, but he was in the back farther and he was just standing back there too. Um, but the other one, the, the nine pointer, he kind of just turned around and kind of just mingled off and walked a few steps and stopped, but never looked back at me. He was just like looking at the other deer, just like, you know, what Sounds the heck like it's that? Worth a shot. Are you going to try that in the morning or are you going to go in the evening? I don't know. What do you think? Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to camp right there on the WMA. So I'll be, I mean, I'll, I could get in there real early. Um, to me, I think you walk into that oak, oak flat, this deer could be anywhere and you probably throw them out of there. In the morning? Mm-hmm. I think in the evening, at least you have a good good idea that they're bedded. Matter of fact, I go before evening so that they're good and bedded. You yeah. Know, probably, I think it's going to be uh, windy tomorrow too, so. Mm. Which is good, you know, in the middle of the day. You know, as uh, when I was doing, going over those cards, for the camera studies, mm-hmm. one thing that really struck me was the one the camera that was over a bed. Every time a windstorm or front came in, those deer got up and shifted. It was like the in between times that they were locked at her beds. Something to think about when you're moving in on them like that. Yeah, like it can be windy, but at the time from the wind kicks up or the time from the wind stops, it seems like they get up and move. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll. The wind's going to be absolutely perfect for this spot all day tomorrow and Friday. Windy's always good because you can slip in there just quiet and oh, slow. Yeah. Just yeah, go real I, early. I don't think I, I'd go in in the morning. I think I'd be glassing something in the morning, watching something, yeah, be beans or whatever. I wonder if I can't. I wonder if I could get to an area where I could watch that draw they're in and just kind of see, see if yeah, I maybe see anything. Close. Yeah go in and out or anything yeah i had it in my mind i thought about trying it in the morning but i guess the more i think about it i probably shouldn't i mean they were there give it time to settle down a little bit too since i was i kind of went yeah. in there you know remember too that uh you, you know looking at these cards and stuff uh the ones that are over beds all them deer seem to be bedded well before daylight right now yeah you know, they get back up after daylight and stuff, but you're going in there, it's dead silent, and they're laying in there in those oak trees and stuff. I mean, that's just... Uh, yeah. My only... quiet in the morning, too, and trying to get close, you know, and I don't think yeah. those deer are moving long distances. I think they're living right in those oaks, eating. I mean, they got acorns, they got bedding, they got whatever they need there. They're just going to get up, lay down, get up, lay down, move around. You know, At least <clears> you, you can expect that if it's sunny and, and windy out, they probably lay down for a while, you can slide in there. Yeah. So you don't think they're going to those green beans at night, making their way over there at all? Did you walk over there and look at the, 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 the dirt and see if there's any tracks? Yeah, there's, I mean, that's one problem right now is it's so dry that it's just all dusty tracks, you know. It's not real, 
real good tracks, but I mean, there's. I think if they got acorns, they're in the acorns. Yeah, they definitely got that right now. I'm not saying they don't occasionally go over by the beans for variety or whatever, but I think acorns are king. Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, that's where I saw the majority of my sign. I mean, like I told, I told you, I was, I mean, last year uh, on this WMA, there was quite a few deer um, in some of those fields, those, um, uh, those alfalfa fields. And and last night I didn't see anything out there other than there was a a doe, you know, a small doe in, in mm-hmm. that one um so you're yeah the, right, cam- you know. the cameras that i got out now that i've been uh monitoring bedding areas on for the study um one of them i had 40 different bucks on it um and then i uh uh all of a sudden all the bucks um disappeared at the same time the ac- acorns started dropping and there's no oaks around that bedding area mm-hmm. If that gives you any kind of clue, and all the all the bedding areas that have oaks, signs started picking up right when the oaks started dropping. Yeah, hmm. I think the acorns are king. And yeah, in, yeah. in Nebraska, I think that's kind of like like my marsh scenario, where in the marsh there's very few oak trees. So when you find a patch of oak trees, you got a golden. You know, acorns would kill you if you're up in the big woods and there's oaks everywhere. Yeah. But if you're out in and, field areas where there's not a lot of oaks and river bottoms and stuff, or river bottoms generally don't have a lot of oaks, when you find patches of oak that are near good cover, those are probably going to be great spots. And I would be willing to bet you could hop from oak patch to oak patch and do very well. While most people don't even really understand that stuff and they just do what they do every year they'll go yeah. to the side of a bean field where they're watching them in july and think they're going to show up again yeah yeah that's what, i mean in my head i had in my head i was like okay now i'm just gonna on this particular property there's four or five of these draws all the way back through there you know i was kind of going to start at this first one where the kind of the overlooked one next to the parking lot mm-hmm. and then just if i don't get one in there i'll go to the next one you know yep um now that river bottom i was in this morning there's oaks everywhere it's in, it's the scenario where there's there's you know uh they're bur oaks but there's a bur oak every you know 50 yards there's another bur oak that's a gig they're they're, they're gigantic you know ones they're all dropping. yeah pretty much um not like i said it's not as bad as it was last year or good whatever you want to say but it's there's still enough to where they got plenty of them you know um and then on top of that spot too, there, there's signs of people walking around all the time, just squirrel hunters, you know. Yeah, based on your squirrel hunter uh, comments, I, I would wonder even about the spot you're talking about if it's near the parking lot. I didn't see anybody squirrel hunting that, but there's also, or I didn't see any sign of people squirrel hunting that. You could have bull hunters show up tomorrow, though. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, that is one thing about uh this area that's that's why i was uh it's not like it is in wisconsin there's not as many people out here you know mm-hmm. um i mean i had a couple locals i've been talking to you know and they're just like eh, nobody hunts it's too hot yeah. you know whereas in wisconsin opening day you're gonna have <laughs> no matter what the temperature is you know there's gonna be people out there it wasn't so, always like that you know um if you go back about 15 years ago nobody hunted opening weekend yeah and that that was kind of my thought about the morning 
is I'm like, well, maybe, maybe those deer are getting back in there later than what, uh, you know, that what they would back in home or at Wisconsin because they don't have pressure here. You know, they're a little more relaxed. I don't know. I just but don't, then, I don't like, think like, it has that much to do with pressure. I think it has more yeah. to do with, uh, with the timing of the year and their, uh, what's in their, uh, DNA. Yeah. Okay. That's just my thought because I see the same thing on uh, on private cushy land, um, but you do see a lot more daytime movement in private cushy land. But I still yeah. see them bedded in the morning before daylight. Yeah, it's going to be hot too tomorrow. It's not like they're going to be. I've, you you I've, might get movement in the morning, especially you know I I I've seen some places where like if it gets really freaking hot, mm-hmm. they start moving more in the mornings, and even if they bed down in the morning, they'll get back up. Because midday it's going to be too hot to bear. They'll feed in the morning, you know. Because yeah, I'm gonna look at the yeah. It's gonna be nine ninety four here tomorrow. Holy cow! That's pretty freaking hot. Mm-hmm. It's nice and it's nice in the mornings. I mean, it's fifty five ish in the mornings. Um, that's just that's just was my my thinking. I, mean, I guess you think you can get in there, try it, see what happens. Would you I be crazy? On the tree, and I mean, the worst thing is you screw it up, and you just go to another spot. You yeah. get the whole day to get into another spot, right? Also, that draw is huge. I could always like make my way farther into the draw. You know, if I pushed them back in there a little farther or something. Um, I don't know. I thought about after the podcast, I got to look at the regs if I can leave it stand overnight. But I thought about going and putting my stand up and leaving it, you know, and getting doing that tonight, and then not have to worry about it, but. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. They may be, they may have uh, turned around and came back into that point and started eating acorns when I left, you know. Be careful. That stand of yours has beast DNA in it. You'll yeah. kill that deer while you're not there. <laughs> Hopefully it field dresses it for you and doesn't just consume it. Right. The stand is a beast. Yeah. Drags it to the parking lot for me. <laughs> No, I ain't, it ain't no big deal to hang one in the morning. I'll just do it in the morning. I just was thinking all these thoughts in my mind. Um, you know how it is. Yeah. I was sitting there at lunch. I, I don't know if you do this or not, but like that, the original spot I wanted to hunt, like I was telling you earlier, the south wind just does not work for it. Like it's just anything but south, and that's what it's going to be. And I was sitting there in my lawn chair eating my lunch, and I'm just sitting there like thinking a million things in my th- uh, head to try to make a south wind work on that property you know it's just like just stop yeah. thinking about it uh, do you do that too or yeah you... that's what that's what kills deer i mean you just think yeah. you just sit there and you're concentrating what can i do yep what can i do to make the wind work or where is that deer hiding or what can i change up you're just constantly thinking like that if you don't you probably don't got that killer instinct yeah if you're thinking about what to eat and how your taco tastes you're probably <laughs> not the right guy for the job yeah, I was uh, I was sitting there like, because to get to that spot, I was like, I'll come in from the other way. That's what I was thinking to myself. But I had to cross the river twice because the river like makes a bend in there. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to, I was like, I'll just mess everything up. I do that uh, in the evening. Um, but if I, my plan is I'm going to hunt this area for a couple days. And then once the wind switches back to the north, I'll go over there and try it out. Because by that time, I'll, I'll have uh, probably run my, run my, 
course in this this spot, but um, it was yeah, nice to lay it. Just don't let the um, a couple bucks, you, you know, consume you. Make yeah. sure you're still spending some time scouting and stuff and working on your next options. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to lay eyes on a couple nice ones. You know, it's always like, okay, I'm in the area. Um, but anyway, I don't know. We're gonna find out tomorrow, though. Now I gotta think about if I'm gonna try to get sneak in there in the morning or not. Probably depend on how good I'm sleeping. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't even know what time it gets light out. I think it's maybe six o'clock or so. Um, what would you do? Would you hunt in the morning or not? Probably not. If there's a way to glass it, I might glass it. But I'd probably be looking for bucks at the uh, at dawn. Drive around some bean fields, see what's going on. I wouldn't expect to see much. Hour into the light, maybe a little more, I'd go scouting, try to find a bigger buck, try to find some bigger sign, look around, try to find a you know good scenario, um, and then end up going in there in the evening and hunting where you were unless I found something better. Yeah. Hmm. I have in my mind. <clears throat> um, I'm not saying hunting in the morning is a bad idea. I just... I don't, I don't know. I think there's a good chance you throw the deer out of there, but that could be an option too. I mean, you go in there and give her a shot. I mean, they're nice deer. Yeah. They're not, you know, phenomenal deer. And if you throw them out of there, you're just into the next valley. Right. You know, in the evening, but I do think your evening is your best shot. Oh yeah. I, I agree with you there. I mean, I go I, back uh, to when I was your age, I hunt every morning, every evening. Yeah. Over the season. And I never had action in the mornings until, October 15th, you know, to November 15th in my area here. I think yeah. that differs a little in where you're at. It's probably a little later, probably like uh, October 20th to November 20th. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, all those hunts I did, both morning and evening, before work, after work, every Saturday, Sunday, I think I got one mature buck outside of Rudd in the morning. Out of all the deer that I've shot, well, I've yeah. shot some lesser deer, two-year-olds and stuff. But until it hits that October fifteenth date, I never really did very well at all on big bucks. And think about when you're driving around: how often in the evening do you see big bucks in the fields, in bean fields and stuff? How often do you see them in the mornings? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you know, some areas you got to get in there in the morning, maybe just sit there all day because you, you can't get in there in the evening, you know. And right. It's up to you. I mean, it's something you got to do. But, it, you know, they do get up during the day and move around. It's just a matter of being able to get in there without spooking them. Right. And I think that is going to be a task. Yep. Yep. Maybe uh, once we're off the podcast, I'll throw the map up for you and show you the show you the setup. And why, why I'm thinking I could get in there in the morning. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, I know I was talking to Shane Simpson, uh, yesterday. He's, he's here in Nebraska too. And, uh, he killed one and a couple years ago in the morning out here. Nice one. Nice eight pointer. Mm. But I mean, his, Early his, 
Yeah, September first, first, uh, first set of the morning of the hunt. Um, but I don't know. That'd be awesome. Then you just pack up and go meet me in bear camp. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'd love to. I'd love to kill one the first uh, first day, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, if that drive right past Bear Camp and go down to Kentucky and kill another one. Yeah, so, right. Well, then I'll be. I'm going to come a couple, three when you're on a roll. Yeah, you can't. You can't let her uh, cool down. Right. Can't let uh, shoot. I mean, in all in all uh, reality, I'll be back in Wisconsin in two weeks. You guys starting? Don't you start here in a couple weeks too? Yeah. What's what is it like the I'm looking at my calendar the 17th Saturday is uh, right around the 17th or 18th or whatever Saturday yeah, like the 17th is. yeah so two weekends two more weeks I guess after this weekend so yeah I'll be up be up there as soon as I'm done here essentially <sighs> I have to worry about this hunt first though oh. <laughs> uh, I've been uh, getting a whole bunch. You sound all stressed, like you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll sit there like this, all jittery all night, thinking about this. Um, just how I am. I'll change my mind five or six different times between now and uh, probably the end of this podcast. <laughs> no, not that bad, but um, you know, you only get. I mean, in, in all reality, on a deer hunt like this, like this may be the only. You know, I may not get on another one. You know, it's it's hard to get on a couple of nice deer, you know. Yeah. And uh, and when you do find them, you really got to think about, you know, making the right decisions and, and all that. Most of the time you don't, you know, but uh, or at least most of the time I don't. So probably should just listen to you and not go in there in the morning. But I could... I could, like you said, get in there early in the evening or, you know, afternoon or whatever you want to say. Make sure I'm in there before everybody else and all that. Um, Is that the big thing? You don't want somebody else to get in there and blow it for you? No, I haven't even thought about that, to be honest with you. Um, it could have definitely happen, but um, I'm not, not super worried about it. I'm reading some of the comments here. I'll put, uh, if you guys want to, I'm going to copy the call-in link into the um, chat here. So if you guys want to call in, you just click the, the link I just shared in the chat or paste it to your, um, your browser and then just follow uh, how you get in here. Um, also I was going to tell everybody, uh, with the, the battle of the bows contest about coming to, um, hunt with us in October in Wisconsin, I'm getting everybody's emails. We'll probably give it another week and then pick someone. So, uh, we want to give everybody a chance to see the, um, you know, see the video and, and enter the, shoot me an email, uh, answering the questions and all that. So if you if you emailed me, I did get it. If you send it to the right email, um, I've had some people message me asking me if I got their email, and I have. Um, I just can't. I'm just not going to reply to every single one of them uh, just yet. But uh, getting a lot of cool people send send stuff in, Dan. Yeah, you probably. Just, uh, you, you better you better um, do an IQ test and take somebody who's not too bright because if they out hunt us, we're going to look bad. That's going to look look bad. 
<laughs> All right. Let's uh we got a call in here. Let me add him to the screen. Hey Ernie, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing, Ernie? Good. You got a question? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. If you want to just uh just mute mute your uh, TV or whatever you're watching on. Yeah, see if that works for you. Yeah, I got the TV muted. Okay. Try turn try turning it off. <laughs> That's better. All right. Yeah, question for us. Yeah. Do you guys ever uh? hang preset stands and if you if you do and if you don't why don't you i do on uh, private land and uh the reason i do is because some spots are just good spots all the time i also hang them for uh, observation sits um but those preset stands i don't hunt them over and over again because it usually um just educates animals so i do most of my hunting mobily um but on private land i have uh, access to it, especially if it's exclusive access, then I hang, I hang some presets. Yeah, I, I have a few too, and they all, they are all in, uh, um, observation sets. And then we, and then I'll, I'll kind of use my beast stand kind of the rest of the time. Um, I have very few, I can't think of any anymore. We have a couple like big ladder stands for gun hunting, you know, for, just opening day kind of set setting on a, uh, a field edge type deal. Um, but other than that, that's, that's how I use my, and I, and I'll tell you this one thing about my uh, preset stands is I treat them just like my mobile, my mobile uh, setups. Like I, I, I do all kinds of things, you know, those cheap, the cheap ladders and stuff. I'll spray um, bed liner on the steps to make sure they're not slippery and they're tacky. So I'm not making noise climbing up on them. And I, I still strip some areas and if there's like little clips and stuff, I'll tape them up and all that. I make sure everything's good and uh, quiet on them. And I even paint them camouflage. Just, I don't know why I just do. Um, but yeah, I use, I, I, I hung one just the other day um, over a, a kind of an observation sit spot. How often do you hunt yours, Josh? Uh, the one I hung the other day, I probably won't hunt. <laughs> Uh, not very often. I, I, last year I sat in, uh, one, uh, probably twice. I probably sat, uh, in the, in the, in this one twice in an observation sit. And then I saw a nice buck come out of a bedding area, probably 200 yards from where I was sitting. And then from there I jumped around with my bee stand, uh, yeah. trying to hunt him down. And, I probably hunted in, uh, preset stands. Five or six times last year, and I think I had one of one of them twice. Yeah, um, we built a. Uh, my dad almost shot a nice buck out of a shooting house last year, but we have it in a we have it in a spot that's not like what you would think of shooting house would be, and it's actually in a pretty good location. It's on a waterway in between two um, fields. It's been there for ten years too, but. Um, we do have that thing too, but I, I didn't set in it last year. So for me, the reason why I uh, don't hunt uh, presets very often is because 
Um, I've never had really super results doing that. Um, my very largest bucks have come mainly from very from your first time sit in an area. And if it's not my first time sit, it's the first time for the year. And uh, I've had much more luck out of preset stands on your two and three year old bucks. Um, then my averages go way up. But as far as tricking the mature bucks, they seem to learn real quick where those presets are. And I try to beat that by just not over hunting the presets or over going to them. Um, but still, they seem to go around them. And even when I go in uh, to like Dave's farm and I walk around in the wintertime in the snow, I notice that the tracks from the mature bucks seem to go through the woods in a way of getting around every one of those preset stands. Even though there seems to be a preset stand everywhere there, there should be one from over the years of hunting there. Every time you develop a good spot, you end up leaving a stand there. And the main reason I put stands there and left them there and had so many there is because Dave got cancer and he, he really just couldn't put up mobile stands anymore. So we acquired a whole bunch of uh, permanents and put them up, but it just kind of like killed those spots. However, he did shoot the very biggest buck we ever got off the farm out of a preset. Um, the big one he shot the year before he died, but that deer wouldn't come to the stand. He wouldn't come near it. He stayed way back and Dave actually took a 45 yard shot at it. Mm -hmm. That was a hell of a shot. Yeah. <laughs> video? Yep. I hope Did that answered. Yeah, that answered my question. I see about the same amount. Yeah. I'm getting away from that preset stand. I have a couple and that's it. But yeah, I see that on public land. The stands are preset and you see the trail skirting around them. Yep. Yep. 40, 50 yards out around them. I see that a lot. I've actually done pretty good on uh, when a preset's in a really good position. You look 40, 50 yards downwind, um, right where the cover starts, where the transition changes. And, man, you'll find where those bucks are skirting out of the bed and going around that stand. That's usually the spot to be. Yep. That's happened to me already, so <laughs> you live and you learn. Yeah, that's right. All right, Ernie. Thanks for All calling right. in, man. Have a good hey, one. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Good yeah, luck. yeah. Thanks. Thanks. All righty. Let's see here. Uh, Jacob is at the chat. Hey, man. What's up? How's it going? Yeah, I reckon good, I was on somewhere. Yeah, I had Stan call me out. He said I hadn't called in often enough, so <laughs> figured I'd have fun. Josh, you got the killer beard going. Oh, yeah, dude. What do they call me? Uh, they called me uh, – uh, Buck Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna grow like Eric. I think I'm gonna get it like I don't know. There you go. How, it like, you long. could braid it. There you go. Yeah, I got mine growing out too. This is a whole six weeks probably for me. But I'm just yeah, this is, I can't. This I can't is, grow crap for facial hair. Oh, you got a beard. This is starts turning white. This yeah. is probably. Yeah. This is probably a, a month for me. I can. I can grow it. That's impressive still. Me. Um, <laughs> I get some splash on spear hunting when I make my shot, so I get some red tint to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask, um, so I'll give a bit of background after I ask this question, but how many years would you say of data, whether it's you visually seeing a big a mature buck or seeing an on trail camera in a row gives you enough confidence to go in um, and kind of call that pattern. So, 
for instance, I've had a pattern show up um, in the 10th to 13th of October for two years in a row. And I want to shoot on that pattern and follow it like it's true. But there are some spots that if I would have just done that the first year and trusted it to be true, then I would have shot that deer the second time it showed up. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen guys, there's like a recent discussion on, I think it was the Southern Outdoorsman. They were talking, it might not have been recent, but they were talking about, um, you know, waiting to like the third, fourth year in a row and then striking. And it's like, what do you really, I mean, unless you've got a whole bunch of spots that that's your possibility, like, what are you really losing out by trying it the second year? So basically, I have two spots. One of them is showing a really strong trend. It's two years in a row. And another one has showed something that looks really similar. It's the same kind of checking the scrape earlier in the year. Um, and I purposely just left that spot, that whole property alone, since I got that pattern. I took the camera down and everything, and now I'm going to count on it being the same this year and hopefully striking on it. How many years or how many times in a row do you like to see a pattern before you strike? Could it be the same as just one or does it depend on the deer? What do you think? Let's see if deer there uh, one day, I'm there the next. I don't know yeah. about waiting three years. I might not live three more years. But <laughs> the longer you see the pattern, the better. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. see the pattern year after year, it gives you more and more confidence. But I see any kind of pattern, I'm on it. As a matter of fact, like uh, even getting into the simplistic terms of seeing deer you know you see a deer come out in a field a couple days in a row don't be like i'm going to be there this weekend you got to be there now because those yeah. patterns change constantly we talk about patterns they might last three days they might last two days it might be every other day for a week and you got to hit the right day during that week you know um mm -hmm. patterns change quick um but you do get those annual patterns that you start noticing with trail cameras or with historical data or sightings and stuff, and you know that certain bucks will show up in certain places at certain time frames, and they do that quite often. So if I had uh, camera data of a buck in a certain area for three days, the next year within those three days is a pretty good chance I'll show up in that spot with, with my bow in hand. I think, I think uh, something else to think about too, Jacob, is like um, I got a couple spots that like what you're describing, where there's always deer in there. Um, be certain days, but something else that, uh, goes on those three days is I'm usually not in there. Like those patterns may change if a guy walks in there and hunts them too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so you really gotta, whenever you're moving in on those spots, you know, don't, don't be too confident. Like, okay, this deer is going to be here. Uh, you really want to be precise about how you go into them and all that. Cause they're there for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. whether it be rut patterns or whatever food patterns or something. Um, but on your trail camera, you know, you're not there. So right. it, it's always something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, uh, I appreciate answering the question and everything, Josh, good luck tomorrow. I'm sure you'll do great. Yeah, um, thanks. I always call Dan and ask Dan questions and stuff too, especially when I'm in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, and Dan, you told me like every time is you already know what you're doing. Like you put in the work you scouted, like you already know what you're doing. Just go out there and do it. Like you'll be successful. And if you screw up, you're just going to learn a lesson and you're going to probably kill one the next time you try. So just yep. go in there with confidence, whatever you decide to do tomorrow and you'll be great. Thanks, man. Yep. All yeah. right. See ya. See ya. All right. I saw some other questions. Confidence with you. I think it's, uh, 
you're like even without energy drinks it's like you drink eight monsters i think that's what i'm in that i'm in that uh, i do have that in me like uh anxious um but then at the same time i'm the the guy that can sneak up on a deer in his bed and shoot him so i can turn it down whenever i need to uh or when it's game time but uh, maybe back uh, off on the monsters mine's uh (laughs) crippling indecisiveness sometimes yeah um Anyway, you think after killing 30 or more bucks, I probably uh, haven't figured out, but it doesn't seem like, uh, it seems like you're always second guessing yourself, which you probably do too in the back of your mind sometimes. Yeah, Uh, I think, uh, you you know, you just, you get calmer as you get older, but you're still, you're still uh, throwing everything around in the back of the head. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, Ah, it's not the end of the world if you mess it up either. It's just a freaking deer, you know, it's it's fun trying. Hey, uh, we got another caller at the bottom. Matt, you're uh, it looks like maybe your your camera isn't working. I don't know if that's by design or or um, or what. I'll, I'll bring you in here. Oh, there yeah, it is. Never mind. No, I I can see him now. Let's bring him up in here. Or, uh, How's it going, are. guys? Oh, Good man. I, I didn't know what was wrong with the camera. No, I I can see him now. Let's bring him up. Let me mute that. Go. How's it going, guys? Good man. Good. Hey, uh. You were talking about earlier uh, some of the midday, early morning hunting, early season. Um, so about, probably about the last four, four-ish years or so, uh, I've been leaving some cameras out year-long, usually about two to three of them. And I noticed a pattern the last few years where I hunt 90-degree days, 95-degree days, and uh, August and uh, September. A lot, of, a lot of bucks were seldomly using uh, creek bottoms. Um, coming up the creeks midday around 11 o'clock to one o'clock in the afternoon and it's usually the same deer that are bedding within about 100 yards or so um but it's religiously the hottest days that we get in that first part of the season uh halfway wonder if that might be something you might want to look into uh when you're going down in there i don't know if it's maybe the cooler temp that they're getting off the water flowing out um or maybe it's just the uh the side cover they get from it but definitely might be something to uh check out just figured i'd throw it out there for you yeah thanks man excellent yeah, observation yeah um you can definitely like when i was down in some of those draws you could tell it was a little cooler down there and stuff so it seemed to pattern a lot with uh with the sun with the way the sun was going um a lot of deer were uh, a couple of the bucks actually i got one of them sitting on the wall i killed opening day last year um it was 12 12 45 in the afternoon 98 degrees when i got down to that to that bottom it was the humidity dropped off no mosquitoes no anything really it was a lot of decent moving water i think the creek was eight foot wide or so but i i almost feel like he moved with the pattern of the sun he went from i think he maybe went 100 yards from one bed to another avoiding the sun and it it was almost like he was using the center of the creek the sides of the creek as well with the overgrown stuff to almost shield himself, but at the same time, cool off and travel into his other bedside. Yeah, it's interesting. I've noticed that uh, even in the swamps, when you got cameras over the beds, they don't stay bedded very long. You know, maybe uh, a couple hours or something. They're moving a lot during midday, a lot more than people would think, a lot more than I would have thought until I looked at cameras. You know, and, and uh, moving towards cool water would make sense in hot weather. Maybe you're on to something. It's been uh so far. I think it's it's been consistent. I want to say for almost three years of the same spot, 
it's a uh, more of a high pressured area. I'll give it that, but it's um, specific wise. It's definitely an area where those deer are traveling probably within 80 ish yards of where I know other people hunt. Um, and I mean, they, it, it seems to coincide with the hot weather, the real hot days and the high times where we have all the sunlight during the day. Uh, might be something to check out, but figure to throw it out there, guys. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that same thing happen in another spot that's similar. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the uh, the trail camera thing. We've been I've been doing that. I want to say for four or five years now in a lot of spots. Just kind of, I'll find a spot that's usually a tucked away one. I'll set a camera or two out there for a year, come back and check it. It's uh, well worth the information. Definitely. Oh, well yeah. Worth oh yeah, we do that yep. too. Yeah. Well. Just figure cool, to throw it out there, guys. Have Thanks, man. To you. Good luck this year. Yeah. Thanks. Good, Good luck. Thought. See you, man. All right. We got another one here. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good. How are you, man? Man, doing good, man. Really, really enjoying the channel. Y'all are y'all are really awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Hey, so my question for y'all is, yesterday I went out scouting. I don't usually scout this time of year, but for the last year I've been watching Dan and really kind of all this stuff kind of makes sense to me on how to hunt. My biggest question is, is when you find an area with a lot of good, you know, buck sign or whatever, how far do you move every time you hunt? Cause you say you don't like to hunt the tree more than once or twice a year. So if you find a spot, say I like to set my cameras out in June or July for places that will have deer when I know they will later in November, I'm in Southwest Tennessee. So, all right, you know, around the uh, middle of November to December. So I set them on places, places where I know they scrape, places where trails I know they use. So I, I use that kind of as knowledge. But if you get a big buck in an area like that, how would you, I've kind of got two questions. How would you go about, you know, if he's using an area hunting that deer? I'm on a club too, by the way, 2,600 acres, basically like public land, if not worse. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if I'm, if, if I'm taking a guess on where this buck's betting and I know about the area, I try to hit it on the money the first time I found that if I'm back a little bit, that usually that was my chance. Once he knows he's been hunting it, it's like the proverbial slap him on the ass and tell him you're coming for him, you know? Right. So you, you got to get in there and make it happen on day one, in my opinion, but that's for a particular exit to a bedding area. You got to be kind of like, uh, precise. I found that most of the time um, when it gets to mature deer, and it's not always the case, and it's not always the case with when you get to like the two or three-year-olds that you probably still shoot, but they tend to not get very far in daylight of leaving that area. They might move around a lot within that bedding area and have a lot of beds in there, but you can't get within that area. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you're 75, 100 yards back, and by the time that deer gets to your tree, it's right about closing time and you find out that there's only like four or five trees you could possibly be in. And there might only be one that works perfect for wind and stuff. So being a little too far back, will kill you. And I think uh, that when somebody really becomes a killer, it's about hitting that exact tree. It's about knowing the limits. And the hardest part for most people is in order to learn those limits, you have to jump some deer. You have to every now and then get in there and get too far jump that deer and be swearing at yourself saying you'll never do it again, but you got to do it again the next time, but not get caught. And if you're not getting busted every now and then slipping in there, you're not doing it right. You're not getting far enough because you've got to push that envelope in order to kill those things in daylight. 
Mm-hmm. However, you might be able to get away with if he doesn't come out that way. Maybe he's coming out a different way, and you got away with that, and you can hunt that other side the next day. Maybe you can hunt the next bed and area up that's only 100 yards. It doesn't have to be a huge movement, but if he's coming that way, and he's coming out on that trail, you need to be in the right spot. You need to be very close. I think a lot of people stage hunt in a way where they come in and they stay like 200 yards back because they don't want to spook the deer out of there. Like, this is the deer I want to kill, and if I, you know, if I go in too far, I'm going to kick him out of here, and I'm not going to have a deer to hunt this year. Well, if you kick, you sit too far back, you just blew your only chance, really. You got to yeah. move in and move in on every hunt. And every time you go after him, you got to really be aggressive about the sit. And then yeah, that's uh, the one, you can that's, abandon the spot. But go ahead. Yeah, that, I was going to say that's one thing I've learned about watching is more aggressive. I've always kind of sat back and watched the deer and kind of let them move and, and leave them kind of gentle. But mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, I've killed some big bucks and stuff and, and, and all that. But you know really targeting them like what you talk about doing is totally different and the, the the buck that i'm talking about i watched him last year as a three and a half year old he had a drop time 8.22 inches wide i saw him the first sit like what you were just talking about a minute ago in a stand didn't even expect to see him boom he shows up never he didn't come close enough but i've got an idea where he likes to hang out so i'm kind of setting up for him and maybe one other buck this year mm-hmm. that i'm kind of looking for um but that answers my question because it's all it's I've, I've sent you a message on, I think, Facebook and you responded to me. It's all in a river bottom. So it floods. So I can't do any after season scouting. So mm. I kind of have to go on old information that I get from now or not from now, but from during season, watching him move to where I can lock in on him. I'm hoping he'll show back up. I know he made it through the season because I have pictures after season of him. But, mm. um, you know, just, I mean, they can bet anywhere and that, that it's all cut over too. you know, select cut. So they can be anywhere, but I know he's probably got his favorite spots. And my second question, which it, I'll make it short is basically if you have a deer, a, do you find that mature bucks? Cause I know this place has some giants on it. They're just so pressured. I don't think they move much. Do you find that these mature deer on these highly pressured places, say a club will find a little area where nobody goes because i found areas where there's no way anybody's going into this crap i went in there yesterday i go where nobody goes a lot of the guys they want to see because they're gun hunters i'm an archery hunter so i go into this this spot found a buck bed that was gigantic yesterday hair in it and just tons of you know old sign from last year will will a mature do you find that a mature buck might stay in a spot that's maybe just 45 acres it's really like a funnel and a pinch between this base that I'm talking about. It's basically a pinch between fields and, you know, a, a little big creek that runs through there and the road. Yeah, do you I find, find that big folks will just find just little spots and they just come in there and hang? I, I'll literally take that club and I would take that and I would make a map of it. And I would mm-hmm. look at it and say, okay, where does everybody go? Where do I did that, just like you said. Cross all that out. And whatever's left is what I would hunt. And I would, you know, it might be 10% of the land, maybe. Yeah. That's the stuff I would look at and concentrate on. And that's where you're going to find the biggest box for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, you're spot on thinking that. And it's that whole, you know, fat girl thing because, you know, you got to go to the spots where nobody else is going to hunt. Right. Nobody else is going to look because that's what, that's what those big bucks live on. I mean, that, a mature buck has lived, lived on that club for five years, six years, seven years. He's learned where everybody hunts. And you think about how many guys are out there and, and how they're hunting the rut funnels and stuff. If he was running around through those rut funnels, if he was doing all that, living in those spots, he'd be dead. He wouldn't have made it to that age. Yeah. So for, 
for you to kill him, you got to hunt him where he's hiding when that goes on. And that's a hiding spot because it's not being hunted. So when you hunt it, you're pressure too. Right. So you got you to hit him right the first time. You got to get in there, kill him and get out, you know, or, or get your chance and then move on to the next spot. And the th same thing is if you find a good spot, you get a crack or two at him and he disappears because you, because you, you know, let's be realistic here. You're going in there and you're trying something, not knowing exactly where to go. Mm -hmm. You get in there and you get it wrong. You figure that out, but you didn't get him. So then you move over. And then if you start hunting that on a regular basis and say you put five or six hunts in that in a year, that deer ain't coming back next year. Okay. I've watched spots that I have that were really big buck meccas. You know, they hold a buck every single year as long as I don't overhunt it. And I'll slip in there once or twice a year, even though it's tempting to go back and, you know, forth to it. And you'll see every now and then the buck that's in there will leave too much sign or something and somebody will stumble on it. Maybe they get a boat back there or maybe they stumble off the road in the wrong spot and they're like, holy crap, something's going on here. And they set up there. Mm -hmm. And they'll put a tree stand, put a trail camera, and they'll hunt it five, six times in a year. And you'll watch that spot just go dead. And even when they finally get bored of it after a year or two and they, they completely abandon it and leave it, it still takes a couple of years before the bucks will even come back in there. Good they're, they're that touchy. They're that touchy. But really, if there's mature bucks in that property and it's overhunted, they're absolutely in spots that people are overlooking. For sure. Yeah, I figured it'd be in there. I mean, I know there's a big deer there just by all this. But I found this place a couple of years ago and just finally walked in there since it's before season. And this is really the only time I can scout it. So um, I'm, I'm not even going back in there until I'm ready to go kill. So thanks for thanks for that. Good luck, Jock, on your uh, trip out in Nebraska, I plan on going out there around the 31st of, uh, I guess, Halloween. Oh, nice. So, cool, anyway. man. Well, I'll be All playing. Right. Y'all have a good season. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Bye. Uh -huh. See ya. Patrick is going to send us a picture of a monster this year. Yeah, right. Hopefully. Uh, okay, we got a couple of good questions here on the, um, on the chat. He says, uh, do you guys stay put if a hunter walks by you on public land? This is a this is something I was going to actually actually talk to you about on the podcast at some point in time. Is um, kind of etiquette of uh, running into other hunters on the when you're out on the public land. I guess that depends, right? Does guy just walk by and go through the area? Does he walk into the bedding area and walk right through where you think the buck is bedded? Step into bed. I mean, then I'm probably just going to move take my little loss and leave um but i've i've had some pretty screwy hunts and still had action i've had uh i've done things wrong myself and still had action i've had people walk through and still had action you never know so i yeah. i don't you know as soon as you get out of the truck if you go home you get and you give up now you have zero chance right i mean i don't think it's a good thing to have somebody walk by but hell you're there might as well sit it out. Right. Um, I, I specifically try to pick spots where people don't go. But, I mean, I can think of some spots that were really good that people walk by me all the time. Mm -hmm. I uh, In conservancies that I hunt where there's a lot of uh, bird watchers and hikers and stuff, I would hunt right over the hiking trail. And the deer were used to human scent. Or if I stepped off the trail, then they'd freak out when they hit your scent. But if I got them where they crossed over the human trail, they wouldn't even care that I was there. Yeah. Um, and I had people walk by me constantly and then had deer walk by and walk out, look at them walking up the trail from a distance. And 
click your tails and walk past. Um, so every scenario is a little different, but uh, you certainly ain't going to kill one if you get down and go home. Right. Here's a question and someone donated a couple dollars to us, so I appreciate it, Jet. Do you have any, Dan, do you have any target bucks this year? Yes. Um, I have uh, a few leftovers from last year. I've seen a couple this year already. Um, I got a few on camera. I got one I'm trying to get a real clear picture of um, in one of my locating cameras. It's uh, a one-antlered buck, and uh, I think it could be – I have to get a clearer picture of it, but it could be the Halloween buck from two years ago that I passed. That was at least a four-year-old then. Do you remember that buck, Josh? Yeah. Did you ever yeah, yeah, I think I think I remember it's what in you, the when same you're talking about. spot. It's only a hundred yards from where I passed on that buck, and I don't know if he came by me again at his age. Now I'd probably shoot him, especially if I know that he's only growing one antler. At that time, I wasn't sure if he lost an antler, yeah, or if he only grew one. But if it's that buck, he'd have to be a very old deer, mm -hmm. six or seven. And I have not picked him up in the last two years or seen him in the last two years. But that's not like I'm all, always out there. Right. But if that's him. I'm gonna. I'm gonna target him. Um, I got a picture this morning that I think is him, but I'm not positive. Um, I got it on uh, uh, Exodus uh, cell cam. Um, we got it coming out of his bedding area, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the picture is not very clear. So I requested a clear picture. Um, when I get that picture, I'll look at it and see. Be able to tell better. If that's him, yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I got uh, a real nice non-typical I was hunting last year that I think is still alive. That would be a hell of a buck. And I got some, I got a lot of them in the 140, 150 range that I've been seeing. Um, I'd rather target some bigger animals, but I'd be glad to shoot one of those. Right, for sure. All right, we got another one here. Thank you, uh, Sam. Appreciate it, man. You have any experience with frag mites, Dan? Some insane sign in outside of the frags here in South Jersey. Yeah, we got frag mites here. They're starting to slowly take over the cattails. Um, so far, we still got good cattails, um, but there's areas that where they're, they're, the frag mites are starting to really take over. Um, what's interesting about the frag mites is they seem so brittle that deer don't like bedding right in them because they, it's like, I think it's because when they break off, they're like little knives sticking in them. I don't think they make good beds in there like the cattails do. But what I do find is they travel through them quite a bit and they bed the edges. And they seem to like the downwind side of them. So whatever side is predominantly downwind in the cattails, um, because you make so much noise going through the frag nights, they can hear you coming and they can smell you and then they kind of, they can escape into the phragmites or escape into the cattails. and But um, bed's right on the edge is what I would expect. There you go. I don't, I'll be honest with you. What's a, I mean, what, how would you describe a phragmite? I don't even know what that is. It's an invasive species plant that's, uh, that grows in wetland just like a cattail. It gets hard, like spear-like hard, and it's about as big around as a pencil. They kind of like snap off, stay sharp on the end. Okay, um, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I think I saw someone. I was in Wisconsin. Yeah, 
hunting last year. I just they grow right in the cattails, and then they just kind of grow on and they take over mm -hmm. an area. Mm -hmm. All right, here. Let's scroll down to the bottom here. We'll probably go for a few more minutes, guys. And I'm going to get back out. Um, I do not have a doe tag in Nebraska deer hunting Cajuns, so won't be shooting a doe in Nebraska. Let's see here. <laughs> Those screaming kids are uh, here at McDonald's, not not Dan's house. <laughs> uh, hey, they're they're locked in my trunk. I'm surprised you can hear them all the way from here. <laughs> they're not my uh, kids. I don't know whose kids they are, but locked in my trunk. <laughs> I, tried to uh, I threatened them. Uh, sorry, everybody. It's uh, as part of uh, being on the road. I got. I want to figure out how I get internet, like a portable internet thing. But all the portable ones are like they're not good enough for doing something like this online. You don't uh, make this a good show. You should just like uh, walk in the other room and ask one of those guys what he's eating and interview him about his Big Mac yeah. and fries and ask You've him how killed, the service was. Yeah. You ever killed a big deer before? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, I'm trying to scroll through some of these uh, questions and comments, guys. I hope I didn't didn't. Uh, didn't miss anybody. I think we got most of them answered here. A lot of people called in tonight, which is nice. Maybe people are, uh, the early times people are able to call in or something. They're not with their kids or something like that. Did we get any uh, people on going on so early? We throw people off? No, we had we had close to 300 people on. Oh, nice, nice. So that's good. Okay. Killing spree. We're going to have to figure out something on the fly for next week. Yep. We'll figure something out one way or the other, even if it's late, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure something out. Maybe Rick can help. Like you said, whenever we're, uh, Rick may be able to, his IT experience, help you figure out a way of getting on. Or the spotlight and the camera on me while I'm field dressing a bear. Yeah. That'd or be killing awesome. by my hand. Right. <laughs> that'd, be can, better show. Can, that'd be a good episode. I was going to say, we can uh, go live whenever uh, Dan's getting ready to draw back and stuff. I'll cheer him on on here. <laughs> Do you ever uh, see bachelor groups betting together like does all the way up to pre-rut in a circular uh, betting is what he's asking. I, I see him bed like that, but not in pre-rut. Right about now is when they're breaking up. I do yeah. see them bed like those when they bed together, though. Really? Yeah. But the latest I've seen it is like uh, – Maybe two weeks into September. I can remember a couple times opening day in Wisconsin seeing bachelor groups. But they're pretty much broken up here by then. Um, Josh could possibly run into some of that where he's going. Yeah. These two bucks were better together I saw tonight. Um, I don't know, though. It seems like those big ones sometimes, though, I just wonder if they still don't kind of go off on their own. Just because whenever you see them come out to the field, they're always like the last ones out in the field. They always come out kind of in a different area, it seems like sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I always wonder if like a, some of the big mature ones still, they may hang out together, but they go kind of on their own when they want to go and lay down somewhere. I don't know. The oldest ones that kind of agree with that. But then, then again, I mean, if you're in a any given woodlot, how many five or six or seven-year-old bucks yeah. are? Yeah, right. If you're in public, there aren't very many. No. Dan, have you ever killed a buck, a big buck moving early in the evening? What like is a, early in the evening? 
Uh, I'll just make up a number, like maybe 2 p.m. Um, yeah, uh, I think two is a little early, but I've killed them two, two, thirty-three. Um, I've had them move pretty early. I can think of um, early season seeing them midday a lot, like on oaks. Yeah, especially yeah. in very, very remote areas, like uh, Oak Islands. For whatever reason, I'd get out there like noon, and uh, I'd sneak onto the island. It'd already be feeding, and you had to creep to a tree. Um, usually, it's that um, last hour of light, but there's always exceptions. I've seen them midday. Yeah, he's asking. He's, you think it is it a moon thing or a weather thing? Whenever they move like that, there's certainly things that cause it: weather, moon. Um, I don't know how much influence the moon has. I guess I think it's dependent on where you're at. In uh, the hill country, like in western Wisconsin, I watched it really close for a couple seasons, and and man, it was pretty spot on that moon overhead that they moved at that time frame. But uh, when I watch around the marshes, I don't see it at all. I don't see like any kind of influence. I can't see a discernible pattern. But uh, Maybe it's maybe it's pressure. Maybe it's how far they move from bedding area to bedding area. Because in the marsh, they just get up, and move ten feet for beds or whatever. They move around in their bedding area. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's pressure. But uh, I do know that, like, uh, like when, like here, you can shine all night during the summer. Yeah. And if you go out and there ain't deer in the first five fields, you might as well just go home because every field will be empty. Yeah. And you can go out like six hours later, and every field will be full. Yeah, and and it'll gradually change night to night, kind of like with the moon phase, you know, the hour time. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up, Dan. Yeah, you sound like you're just like itching to get off and go see some gear. <laughs> you get a glass. Yeah, it's getting like real cloudy, like it's getting ready to storm or something. I'm thinking if it maybe storms and then oh, right before dark. Want no. Yeah. Um. Anyway, everybody, thanks for getting on tonight. Make sure you like it, like the video, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And, okay, next time uh, we come on, Josh will show his buck from Nebraska. Yeah, and then Dan, maybe we'll have a bear, a bear or two. So that'd be a good episode. We may have to make two of them out of it. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and get Rick one too. Maybe we'll just get like, oh yeah right away. Yeah, there you go. We're gonna uh, like we'll uh, have... we're gonna dress him up as a donut and make him sit in a bait pile. It's for the it's for the footage, Rick. It's for the footage, right? It's for the algorithm. <laughs> all right everybody we'll see you guys yeah uh i'm not making any promises next week we'll figure something out one way or the other but um all right everybody we will see you thanks everybody um let me see you again bye